The following talk was given by Danica Shoan Ankle. Shoan is a senior monastic at Zen Mountain Monastery and serves as the training coordinator and creative director for the Mountains and Rivers Order. She is also a textile artist and oversees the Tenkozan line of handmade items, designed and crafted for the monastery store. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or to find out more about our various programs, please visit us online at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. From the Mountains and Rivers Sutra All dharmas are ultimately liberated. They have no abode. We should realize that although they are liberated without any bonds, all dharmas are abiding in their own state. I've so been feeling the swift passage of time. Since before Saiyan's talk, but her talk definitely um, turned it up a notch. And I think it's good to feel the swift passage of time because then we're awake at least that much. (laughs) There's something about this time of year and how the longest day has passed and like the days start getting shorter remarkably quickly. And how like the summer green is like so deep. There's a point just prior to now where it was like extra juicy and verdant. And it's like just tipping over into a more like waxy green somehow. Like getting ready to tip. And then the birds at dawn, that like riot of song is past. There's like a few holdouts. (laughs) (laughs) And even this morning, like that, that cool, it was our first cool morning really in that like, kind of way, and it felt like, oof, autumn, then winter, then spring. (laughs) And how is it that 2020 is like more than half over, and it feels like it just started? And I feel too, just the like, the pandemic and the reality of this like crazy time and like all of the things that were so normal, like just a few months ago. You know, the big one for me is the subways. I feel like I like think with great nostalgia and fondness for how we used to pack into subway cars, like pressed up against all kinds of strangers, breathing over all everybody constantly or or like the temple coat room just like everybody in there and and you had just grabbed a cookie and you hadn't even thought about when the last time you washed your hands was right not to mention this sendo this time in an ordinary session packed sunday morning tomorrow morning 
could everyone please move closer to the altar to make room for people coming in? And then you're like two on a Zabuton, chanting with great gusto, like your vapors just spilling right and left, and we didn't care. It was fine. Ah, it's so like poignant. And then the ultimate poignancy, like life and death. The one certain thing. Poignant comes from a Latin root that means to prick. Ah, like right in the heart. Piercing. Lives coming into the world, going out of the world. Residencies starting, residencies ending. And instead of the sort of numb out, check out, I don't want to see it, I don't want to know about it, response, our practice is to turn exactly toward it. A haiku by Isa. This world of dew is only the world of dew. And yet, oh, and yet. And it's right at the core of the Dharma, the teachings on impermanence. Impermanence, the Sanskrit word is anika. And the a is a negative prefix with the word nika, which means permanent or everlasting. Anika, nothing is dependable. Nothing is constant. All of life is this way. In flux continually. And practice is in part the deepening of our view into this, the deepening of our understanding of just how true this is, the deepening so we can actually let that constant flux be where we live from, letting it rest in our body in a true way. During the um, past ango, I did my art practice um, for a portion of the time down by the creek. And um, there was a morning where I was doing some painting of the river. And just the water flowing, 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 flowing. And I felt myself drop in. I was like, oh, like, 
oh, everything's flowing, 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 flowing. All the time. And so it's like practice is like, rather than being on the bank of the river, kind of (laughs) like muttering under our breath, we're like whoosh, in the flow. And of course, so many of the teachings are like, okay, look, you're suffering because you're on the bank of the river muttering under your breath. Just like dive in, dive in. You can't hold on to anything. So just whoosh, let it, let it, let it flow. Ajahn Chah, I was talking about this the other day with a couple of people, had a teaching that the cup is already broken. So he would say like, you know, this cup, when I look at this cup, I see it's already broken. He also said, as soon as we are born, we are dead. brutal. No one wants to see that. And it's amazing how, like, distant we can make ourselves from that. When I was um, with Yoshin at the very end of her life, the last few days, um, she was doing a very labored breathing. She was no longer uh, responsive were apparently conscious, and I would go over and give her her medicine, and then I would sit with her for a little bit. I would do zazen, like make myself a little spot. And um, I uh, mentioned this to Shugen, and he said something along the lines of, um, like, do you see that that's you? And actually, I had been seeing very much that it wasn't me. Lately, when I would visit her and come into her space, it was so intense, the contrast between her very weak state, her body getting ready to, like, fall away, and my feeling of, like, robust health. Like, I would, like, come in the room and just feel like, whoa, this is intense. I have, like, so much key. And it's just dripping out of her. And then I would notice, just, like, moving through my day, I'd be, like, going up and down the stairs or, like, doing some yoga. And I would think of Yoshin and how, like, little, how how she couldn't do that anymore, how little energy... So to think like, oh, that's me. That kind of put the brakes on. Still, 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 if I like call her to mind, in the state that she was when she was dying, 
It's very like hard to sort of be like, oh, that's me. That's going to be me one day. I do think of it, I find it an easier moment somehow when we do the procession for funerals up to the cemetery and those bells are ringing. Talk about poignant. (laughs) I've thought several times, and I definitely thought this last time, like, whoa, like one day they'll do this for me. Whoa. Death changes everything. It'd be so different if we didn't have death. It's like the biggest game changer in the universe. (laughs) And it's like, oh my God, okay, right. Like now you're alive. I've been hearing Yoshin, you know, when it was really, really hot earlier this week. And I was kind of complaining to myself. I could hear her being like, listen, you have a body. Shut up. (laughs) Like, don't even complain. You have ice. Like, put some ice in your mouth. That was helpful. It's like, okay. This is the price you pay for having a body. Get sticky and sweaty. Thinking, too, of the news of Sandy's death, Sandy Huntington, who um, was a professor of religious studies and Buddhism at Hartwick College and would bring his students here every year, uh, sometimes just for an after, a morning visit, beginning instruction and a tour and some Q&A. Also, sometimes some kids for uh, intro weekends, And I remember talking with him on a not-too-distant visit, and he was saying that he was so struck. A friend of his had said, or somehow he had read in a Dharma book or something, just like about life just being a series of losses. And I think about him, like, receiving the news of... I don't know, two weeks? You've got two weeks. And what a surprise and a shock it is. And yet, like, on the other hand, it should come as no surprise. It should come as no shock. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, I see. I am of the nature to get sick and die. Now it's happening. Those lines from the Mountains and Rivers Sutra. I was working with them with my art practice, and I found it so helpful to uh, bring them in a little closer. So in in the sutra, all dharmas are ultimately liberated. They have no abode we should realize that although they are liberated without any bonds, all dharmas are abiding in their own state. All dharmas. That's the piece that I was working with. All, all, 
And so I would restate sometimes, I am ultimately liberated. I have no abode. I should realize that although I am liberated, without any bonds, I am abiding in my own state. You are ultimately liberated. You have no abode. You should realize that although you are liberated without any bonds, you are abiding in your own state. We have no abode, no fixed resting place. And we are abiding in our own state. This. This. What a tension. What a whisper. (laughs) What a pivot. Master Shen Yang said, abiding nowhere means refrain from discriminating thoughts. I thought that was very helpful. It can sound so abstract to abide nowhere, to have no abode. And then you can see like, oh, how do we make an abode? How do we make a dwelling, a nest? As Dido used to say. Here I am, here's what I'm doing, here's what I think, here's what I care about. (laughs) No abode, refraining from discriminating thoughts, just in the river. So what do we find when we dive in? When we dive in, when instead of fighting the change, trying to stabilize the flux, trying to dry out the fluidity, which is basically our conditioned response, because we're constantly freaking out. (laughs) What do we find when we actually open and turn in, turn toward, and let ourselves experience ourselves as that very flow? I used to love in Dido's um, capping verse. I don't know if this was original to him or if he was like quoting other masters. He would say, beyond telling, absolutely beyond telling. What do we find? Words can never reach it. Some we might try throwing at it to see if they stick. Like presence, aliveness, nowness, this, suchness. You are abiding in your own state. And you have no abode. Already liberated. How do we enter?
That was Gokhan. I appreciated that part. Entering. It's all about entering. We enter through the heart, through the mind. But to get to that, we go through the body, through the phenomenal world. (laughs) Right this way, everybody! (laughs) Here's a great poem called The Gate by Marie Howe. I was speaking about it last week. The gate. I had no idea that the gate I would step through to finally enter this world would be the space my brother's body made. He was a little taller than me, a young man, but grown, himself by then, done at 28, having folded every sheet, rinsed every glass he would ever rinse under the cold and running water. This is what you've been waiting for, he used to say to me. And I'd say, what? And he'd say, this, holding up my cheese and mustard sandwich. And I'd say, what? And he'd say, this, sort of looking around. This. I was talking to Shugen Roshi earlier about my dry life versus my juicy life. (laughs) My dry life versus my juicy life by Shoan. My dry life, (laughs) my dry life is like, oh my God, I have so many emails. Every time I get to the bottom of my inbox, like more pile up on top and I'll never get to the bottom. My dry life is like, here's my list of what I need to do and like, It's like kind of desk-bound and (laughs) list-filled. And then my juicy life is like... Mm. (laughs) My juicy life. My juicy life unfolds in the mystery of just like being and time. And you. And like figuring things out together. And like meal crew when I'm just in it and I'm not worried about what else I should be doing. My juicy life. Residency, right? Is it dry? That's quite a schedule you have to follow. That's pretty early to get up every morning. Wow, every day's the same or juicy. We do services every day to ring in the mystery and chant out the profoundest truths of the universe to each other. Could be dry in the morning, juicy by the afternoon. Where is the juiciness? 
the juiciness is heart juice. Your beating, tender, pierced heart. You can't touch this juicy presence. You can't pick it up. You can't give it to anybody. They've got to, like, find their own way to it. But you can feel it. You can feel it in yourself. And sometimes you can feel it in others. We go through the body, through the phenomenal world, to get the juice. It's there. You just have to, like, figure out how to squeeze it. We go through the cheese and mustard sandwich or through cleaning out the refrigerator. We go through all those dharmas, all those dharmas. What's beneath? What is this body a vessel for? What is the phenomenal world a vessel for? When Yoshin was getting very, very close to the end, she was very close to the end for a while. Um, uh, Sankai and I were talking, and he was, he, was, he, was, he was kind of asking, like, have you ever been with someone at the moment they've crossed over before? And I was saying, I haven't, and he, he had. And he was saying, you know, it's really unmistakable. It's unmistakable. They're there, and then they're gone. And then when I was actually with Yoshin, as she was passing slowly, slowly, gently, gently, I thought of that. And her breath had gotten so subtle, I thought, is it going to be unmistakable? Maybe it won't be unmistakable. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And then it was unmistakable. What goes? The juice. The juice. The moisture. You know, sometimes I have said, and I've heard other people say, that like Zen is like not that embodied as a practice. Like we need more embodied forms of practice. And I have really been like feeling, wow, Zen is such an embodied form of practice. I can't even believe it. And like, how have I missed that? I mean, just Zazen. Like our practice is to like sit completely still and breathe. That is like the ultimate embodied practice, people. Come on. If we're disembodied, that's ours. We can like own it and claim it, but like the practice is to be in your body. 
and bowing. Oh my God, it's such an embodied expression. I mean, I feel like all of the liturgy is, but bowing is like so um, simple and, and uncomplicated and one whole body gesture. And pretty much every time we've gone in to do bows before service or whatever this week, I've been thinking about this kind of interesting um, wrinkle in our Zen training weekend. So we just did this past weekend, a week ago, we did our first um, effort at an online version of the Introduction to Zen training weekend. And as we were doing it, um, there was some talk, you know, in between about like what's working, what's not working. And at the end, kind of like, whoa, what did we miss? And one of the things, um, I had a kind of final closure and goodbye session with the um, participants on Sunday after the Sunday morning program, right? This is all via Zoom. And I, you know, offered if anybody had any last questions, they could, they could ask. And one woman, said, can you demonstrate the bow? And I just felt in my whole body like, whoa, okay. Like, we just did the whole weekend. But like, she doesn't know how to bow. How could she? We didn't go over that. It just made me sort of feel like how much of what we do here is like bodies in a room together, like in space. And really like how much of training and practice is bodies in a room together, in space. And so how do we do this during this time? And it's one thing if you're, you know, a practitioner, you've got a relationship with the monastery, the liturgy comes on, you know like what's yours and you're taking care of it. And, and it's another if, if we're introducing someone Right? They're brand new. I thought about that too with the liturgy, like the Sunday morning service, because people are participating who've never been here. Right? So again, it's one thing to like zoom in and like you've been in the space and you can like hold that experience while you're reminded of it or bringing it back to life, connecting. And another, if you've never been here, I was thinking about how when I was looking at um, doing a retreat at another center, I had this um, possibility of doing a what's called a drub chen, which is a, a meditation retreat and, and with a lot of ritual and ceremony to it in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. There was one at Tara Mandala. And um, I looked at a video of this ceremony that someone had, you know, shot on their whatever phone on YouTube. And I was like, uh, nine days of that? Like, I don't think so. And then later I was reflecting on like, huh, like what would I see if I saw a recording of our service like on YouTube and had never been here? Like I realized I hadn't really given the drug chen its chance. <laughs> Right? Like, what a way to, like, feel what a liturgy is. Like, somebody's, like, little shaky YouTube of, like, one person walking in the food offering. Like, okay, never mind. Sishin's not for me. <laughs> That's basically what I did. And so I, I've been thinking about that, too. Like, wow, you have to do it. Why is it important to do it so that you can feel it? 
Why is it important to feel it? Because that's where the juice is. I remember years ago, um, training for, uh, we were doing a rehearsal for some kind of a special service. And um, Jimon was directing the rehearsal, and I had a role in it, and Sankai and Zuise had roles in it. I think they might have been like the Den Show and like the Jisha or something. And like we were going over it and kind of like fine tuning the entrance and everything. And there was something where like, you know, it's kind of like, it, it, it was pretty much what we, like the entrance I think of service where the Den Show has to like time the hits on the bell according to where the officiant is and their bows, right? And um, Jimon was like, you know, remember, it's going to be really crowded in here. Like, you may not, it may be hard for you to see, da 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 And um, whoever was doing main bell was like, well, I don't need to see it. I can just feel it. And um, I was like, what are they talking about? And I can't remember whether it was Zuise or Sankai. But then the other one was like, yeah, Jimon, it's okay. We'll just feel it. And Jimon was like, yeah, I want you to be able to see it also. <laughs> but I was literally like, I have no idea what they're even like. What is this like? We're going to feel it. Like, huh? Like, you know, I think of that too with like face-to-face -face and Zoom. Dido used to say, I will never do Doksan online because I have to be able to smell the person. <laughs> I think right now he absolutely would do Doksan online, just for the record. Um, but yeah, like, wow, presence is so much, so, 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 so much. And so let us not forget, I know there have been a lot of people being like, you have to keep doing all of this stuff online when we reopen, and da, 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 da. And we hear you, and we will, and like, nobody better start thinking it's too inconvenient to show up in person, okay? <laughs> There is no substitute. And at the same time, that like feeling actually, it's like I feel like there is a way in which like it, it does cross. It does cross through the, um, the cables, right? I mean, I feel you at home. We did a funeral for Yoshin a week ago, and I thought, is this going to be so weird and creepy? It's via Zoom, da, da, da. And it wasn't. It was, like, beautiful. It felt really good here. I felt totally connected with everybody who was Zooming in. And I got, you know, messages and feedback from people who were like, that was so beautiful, da, 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 da. No one was like, that was so weird. <laughs> Maybe those people just didn't send emails. <laughs> So, you know, the flow, the poignancy, what is it? It's all like taking us into very tender, vulnerable, open territory, which is hard. We're so sensitive. 
And after all, if the cup is already broken, like what does that mean about our heart? Ah, broken, already broken so many times. And to take each and everything, all dharmas, up as a gate. The gate we walk through. Every single thing. So, when I think of this, I think like, okay, slow down. Don't rush. If I'm freaking out about something, then just to know like, okay, I'm sensitive. This is touching something very deep within me. If I can't see it clearly, then like, slow down. Take my time. Reach out, get help, but mostly give myself space and time. It's flowing, 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 flowing. But this flowing is timeless. It's not rushed. It's not rushed. When we dive into the current, we can move at our very own pace. This entry is a place of truth, of honesty. And it's going to give us access to those other qualities, those other bodhisattva qualities like courage, right? And perseverance and effort. Our natural responsiveness, which is love in its deepest form. I think it's so important to continually for me anyway, return and again and again to how this practice of no abiding, abiding in my own state, is so, so deeply relevant for the world and the suffering, for our suffering and everyone's suffering, With the passing of John Lewis about a week ago, I've been um, just kind of taking that in and and feeling um, the inspiration of his life, dedicating the whole of his life to civil rights, racial justice, like such courage, such perseverance, such determination. And he has a book called Across That Bridge, 
a vision for change in the future of America, which came out a few years ago. Here's something that he says in there. Anchor the eternity of love. Anchor the eternity of love in your own soul and embed this planet with goodness. Lean toward the whispers of your own heart. Discover the universal truth and follow its dictates. Release the need to hate, to harbor division, and the enticement of revenge. Release all bitterness. Hold only love, only peace in your heart, knowing that the battle of good to overcome evil is already won. He goes on, choose confrontation wisely, but when it is your time, don't be afraid to stand up, speak up, and speak out against injustice. And if you follow your truth down the road to peace and the affirmation of love, if you shine like a beacon for all to see, then the poetry of all the great dreamers and philosophers is yours to manifest in a nation, a world community, and a beloved community that is finally at peace with itself. Hold only love, only peace in your heart, knowing that the battle of good to overcome evil is already won. Whoa. What is this love? You already have it. Just trust the steady presence of your zazen. Sashin is about this being a gate. Everything is a gate, and let's find out how. Just return to your direct experience, your embodied thusness. It's not abstract. Don't waver. Don't indulge doubt. Don't pursue illusory shortcuts or apparent alternate strategies. Just trust your own steady presence, your heart here, now. <laughs>